0: Greater love. Can you just say that with me? Greater love. Say it like you want to be here this morning. Greater love. Greater love has no one than this. If you want to measure great love, it's not how romantic you are, the gifts you give, the words you speak. Greater love is measured. By how you give to someone else. Giving your life for someone else. So, we're going to begin this brand new series entitled Greater Love. Since we're going into the month of February, Frankie, can you shut this off for me? You forgot here. Great. Since we're going to the month of February, And February is all about what? Love. And February is where single people get bitter. And wives remind their husbands, you better get me flowers. You know, you better do this. And restaurants get packed and presents get bought. But see, the reality is, it doesn't matter what you do when it comes to love. It's really how you do it. And the Bible teaches greater love, great love. Is all about how you give in reference to your life. You guys ready for this brand new series? All right, it's going to be a tough one. Father, bless this word this morning as we get into this series in February. Lord, as we study love, help us to be more loving. Make this about you, about us and our lives with you, Lord, and our relationship with you. Help me preach this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we go into this series, Greater Love. We can all use love in our lives, but the reality is that a lot of us can really learn how to love a little greater. If you think about love, love is something that today in this world, many people are searching for. Many people think they have it. But I believe today in this world, what we really, desperately need is to learn how to love in a greater manner. Because the reality of this verse that I'm about to teach you is that when you learn to love, it could truly change not only the person you love, but it can change your life forever. So this whole month, we're going to go into the subject of greater love, learning how to love greater, and we're going to break it down this way. We spell love L-O-V-E. There's four Sundays this month. So we're going to break down every letter every Sunday. So this Sunday, we're going to start with the letter L. I want to go to John chapter 13, beginning at verse 33. I want you to see this here. The Bible says, my children, this was Jesus talking to his disciples. I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must, notice it's not a suggestion and request. He says, you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love, there he goes again, if you love one another. As Jesus said this, this was nearing the end of his life. This is where Jesus knew he was about to step and give his life up for everyone. He knew that the cross was at hand. He knew that he would die, resurrect, and be soon taken to the Father. And Jesus looks at his disciples, and he begins to tell them this simple yet profound truth. This command I'm giving you. It's a command to love one another. Jesus says, love one another. See, what I noticed about this verse is, this was one of the last conversations Jesus was going to have with his disciples. I want you to put yourself in this picture Imagine the last conversation you're going to have on earth. Think about that. Imagine God tells you, this is the last conversation you're going to have with your spouse. This is the last conversation you're going to have with your children. This is the last conversation you're going to have with your church members. Or this is the last conversation you're going to have with your friends. If you knew this was the last conversation, you would be careful as to what you're going to talk about. If it was your last conversation with someone, you're not going to care about what's on the news. Amen? You're not going to waste your time talking about the news. You're not going to waste your time talking about politics. You're not going to waste your time talking about sports. You're not going to waste your time talking about other things that don't even matter. Your conversation, would you would make sure that the words that come out of your mouth will be important, significant, that you would make sure that they learned something, that they knew something about you. So this is what's happening. This is the last Few conversation that Jesus was going to have with his disciples. And of all the things Jesus could have commanded. He could have said, make sure you read the scriptures more. Make sure you pray more. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Jesus said this one simple command. Guys, make sure you love one another. Because Jesus was teaching something profound. If you want your life to go well, if you want your life to be blessed, if you want to make an impact, if you desire to make a change, the priority that you must have in your life is love. Learning how to love one another will will really determine what God can truly do in your life. Knowing how to love will make such a significant impact in your life, the life of your marriage, the life of your family, the life of a church. It's all in how you love. And Jesus said it best. He says, make sure you love just as I have loved you because God will never command us something he hasn't done himself. God will never tell you to do something that's impossible. And we live in this world today that has seemed to think that it is impossible to love. How can I love this person after they did this to me? How can I love that person after they said this about me? How can I love? I will never love them again. People that have been hurt say, I will never love again. But see, God says love because all love is possible when you do it God's way. And Jesus says, love as I have loved you. You see, this entire time that Jesus was with his disciples, Jesus was teaching him and teaching all of them how to love. Because if you don't love or know how to love, it can really destroy the blessings of love that God has created. And sadly, many people today, we say, oh, I love them, or I love you, and we use this word love so loosely. But sadly, saying it's so much easier than doing it. Sadly, saying, I love you, It's so much easier than doing it. Biblical love that Jesus was talking about here is a decision. It's a choice. It's a decision and a choice to be unconditionally devoted to the well-being of someone else. When you truly say I love you, you're saying I have made the choice in spite of anything we go through to sacrificially see what's best, not for me, but for you. And if I truly love you, that means I'm going to be careful how I treat you because I have your best interest in mind. I'm going to be careful what I say and what comes out of my mouth because I have your best interest in my mind. I'm going to be very careful how I treat you, how I speak, how I handle us, because I have your best interest in my mind. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not about how you make me feel. It's not about you giving to me. It's not about you serving me. It's all about me making the choice to unconditionally do what I need to do for your Best interest. So when God says, I so love the world, he sacrificed himself because true love is sacrifice. But today, many people want to just say they're in love or just say the word love, but they want to do so without sacrifice, without giving up, without doing this or doing that or without really costing anything for me. And that's why today in our world, we have a love problem. Because it's so easy to just say it. But when you make a choice to actually do it, it's going to cost you. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painful. It's going to be sacrificial. When we look at love, whether in friendships, churches, marriage, children, and parents, when we first start off with love, it seems so easy. When you first start off a friendship, it seems so exciting. When you first have a baby, it seems so magnificent. But as years go by, you realize that all those relationships that started off strong require a lot of giving and sacrificing and hurt to build. Now, when it comes to love, love is like, like a deck of cards. And the truth is, When you first open up a brand new deck of cards, it's nice, it's clean, it's crisp, it just slides so easy. But as you begin to use those cards over and over and over and over again, the cards get wrinkled, the cards get dirty, the cards don't slide off as easy anymore. And when it comes to love, you have to understand that it's going to start off strong. But with time, it's going to get messy. Amen? It's not going to be as easy as before. They're going to try to slide, but it's not going to be so smooth. And today, many people say, well, Pastor... Our relationship is not the same like before. And I go, duh. Because relationships change. Relationships evolve. And you have to learn how to to adapt to the evolution of your relationship. If not, you're going to say, I just need a new deck of cards. And real love is knowing, like life, your doubt, a hand... That's out of your control. You can't control what people are going to say. You can't control what people are going to do. You can't control what your spouse is going to do. You can't control what your children are going to do. You can't control how your friends are going to react. You have no control over the people you love. And that's the problem. Because when life hurts and people do things you don't like. You may not be able to control the hand you're dealt with. But you can't control how you make it work. You can't control how you play with it. And every relationship done God's way can work. Every relationship done God's way will work. Because God never created relationships to fail. And when you choose to do it God's way, it can work. So it's not how or what you're dealt with. It's saying, I'm going to make it work. Because see, like cards, you have the king and the queen. Isn't it interesting when you first get in a relationship, they treat you like royalty? They all you're my queen, girl. You're my king. There's a lot of love. There's a a heart. Oh, a lot of love. And and then the the diamond comes. I'm gonna marry this one. She's perfect. And then you realize something. After a while, you just want to reach for the club. (laughs) Beat them. And you said, I should have never have left Jack. (laughs) Why did I marry this joker? (laughs) That's relationships. But see, the question, the truth is, when it comes to relationships... The one thing, it's messy, it's not smooth, it gets harder. You're going to want Jack. Jack's going to look real good when you sit next to this fool. But it's important. The one thing, as life goes on and you can't control the hands you're dealt with in your relationships and what they do, it's important that you never fold. Some people get a hand they don't like. And to fold literally means to get out. And we have a, a sick society today that just folds too easy. You know that divorce in the, between the, eight, the years, of the 40s, the 50s, and even up to the 60s, divorce was only 10%. And now it's reaching almost 70. And the difference between our generation and the generations before us is that they knew how to deal, they made it work. They went through depressions, they went through wars, they went through all these things. But they said, as long as we stay together. But we live in a culture today that says, just fold. Oh, you don't like what they did? Fold. Unfriend them. Oh, you don't like what they said? Fold. Find yourself another. And we have so many people folding and folding and marriages are folding and families are folding. You know, there's a lot of parents right now that are looking at their children and they're so rebellious and disobedient and they just want to give up. And parents just fold and say, you know what? I don't even care anymore. Do what you want and you fold. There's a lot of marriages that fold and say, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. I'm out. There's a lot of churches and members in churches that say, man, I don't like this. I'm out. I'm done. Because we always seem to think that if I fold, something better is going to come. And when that something better comes, and you realize that they're just as messed up as before, what, you're going to fold again? So we have all these homes and marriages and kids and churches and friendships folding because we're looking for the perfect match. And you'll never find a perfect match because you live in a sinless and a sinful world. So the key to love is knowing I can't control what I'm dealt with, but I can control how I handle it. How I make it work. How I play it. When we talk about love, the letter L, one of the first things you have to do to make it work. When you want to reach for the club, make it work. When you want to fold, make it work. So, well, Pastor, what do I have to do to make it work? Because it could be in your family, your marriage, your children, your spouses, your brother, your sister, your cousin, your friends, your church members. All of us, like we learned last week, are in a relationship. And all these relationships require not just that you make it work, but that you do the work. Genesis 2.24. Therefore. God said in reference to the first relationship, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. When we think about the letter L in love, notice that God said, therefore, a man shall leave. Everyone say leave. Leave. L is for leave. Okay, Father. Uh, Thank you, Pastor. I'll leave them right now. That's not what that means. When God said a man will leave his father and mother, this verse applies to us because Adam didn't even have parents. So why would even God say this? Because God was telling this to us. When you get married, God says your responsibility is to leave. A man should leave. That word leave doesn't mean to abandon God is not telling a man, abandon your parents, forget about them. God said the opposite, honor your mother and your father that it may go well with you. God is not saying, hey, forget them and just focus on your wife. God is not saying that. That word leave in the Hebrew literally means to relinquish, it's the idea of changing your priorities. When it comes to love, you have to understand, church, that in order to make it work, you have to learn how to prioritize that relationship. Meaning your priorities might have to change, God said. Your priorities must change in order for a relationship to work. L is for leave. It's the law of priority. And a lot of love doesn't work because we don't want to make that other person a priority. We want to make other people priority. We want to make other things priority. We make our jobs priority. We make our children priority. We make a hobby priority. And anything you make a priority will have your undivided attention and love. And when it comes to the word leave, it's the idea of not only switching priorities, but it's also sacrificing. But see, a lot of us get into relationships, but we're not ready and we're not even willing to leave things behind. We're not willing to leave old habits, old lifestyles. We don't want to make people priority because we are the priority. But see, God says, in order to make marriage work, in order to make love work, in order to make any relationship work, there has to be the law of leaving, the law of priority. If you examine any broken marriage today, if you examine any broken home and family, if you examine any broken friendships, It won't take long for you to see misplaced priorities. There's a lot of homes and marriages and friendships dealing with a lot of loneliness because of misplaced priorities. There's a lot of people dealing with pain because of misplaced priorities. There's a lot of people feeling rejected because of misplaced priorities. There's a lot of people feeling frustration because of misplaced priorities. And there's a lot of people, even when our relationship with God, that are experiencing God to the fullness because of misplaced priorities. We're working too much. We're too busy. We're too distracted. And the relationships that require time, the relationships that require priority, you're just wasting your priorities on other things. And in order for any relationship to work, there has to be priority. When God said, I so loved you, he made you and I a priority. Priority. And because he made us a priority, he sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. You see, when you say, I'm going to prioritize someone, you take actions and you make sacrifices. You take actions and you give. Priority is not just something you say. You don't just tell someone, you're important to me, you show it. You don't just tell someone, you mean so much to me, you live it. You don't, just mean, you don't just say, you're my priority unless you're actually doing it. But we live in a world today that seems to think that they can have love and a strong love at that without prioritizing. You don't want to make your spouse a priority in your life, you're not going to have a strong marriage. If you're not going to make God a priority in your daily living, you're not going to have a strong relationship with him. If you're going to raise your kids but they're not going to be priority, you're not going to have kids when they grow up that are close to you. It's that simple. The law of priority will strengthen the love you have for any relationship. This is why the Bible says in Luke chapter 10:40 About Martha, Jesus came into her home. Now, Martha loved Jesus. She was a born-again believer. She loved him. But see, this shows you that you can love someone, but not make them a priority. The Bible says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you even care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? See, this should have been a time of reflection. This should have been a time where she felt close to Jesus. This should have been a time that she felt the presence of the Lord right there in her home. But because she was so distracted, she was angry. She was upset. She was anxious. She was fighting. She was bickering. She was complaining. And you're like, wow, that sounds like my relationship. Well, maybe you have Martha syndrome. Martha was distracted. All it takes is a distraction to ruin a relationship. Martha was distracted by all these preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you even care? See, she accused Jesus of not even making her a priority. But she was the one that was wrong. Tell her to help me. Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Notice he he said it twice because the first time didn't even reach her. That's how distracted she is. Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you're worried. You're upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. I love what Jesus said to her. And maybe it's what he's saying to you. If you find yourself like Martha, upset and worried and complicated and complaining and frustrated. Maybe God is looking at you today through the Holy Spirit and he's poking that little heart of yours. And he's saying, you're distracted. You're distracted by many things. That word distracted in the the Greek is a word that literally means to drag something away from where it needs to be. Jesus was telling Martha, Martha, you're allowing all these things to drag you away. And it's no wonder that when you've been dragged away, you're upset all the time. You're complaining all the time. You're frustrated. You should be enjoying this. And God created relationships to be enjoyed. God created marriage to be fun. God created children to give you so that you can enjoy them. They're a blessing from God. God created friendships so that you can enjoy them. God created fellowships so we can have joy in one another and the Lord. But many people are far from experiencing the joy of a relationship because all these things are dragging you away. And you're trying your hardest, but it just feels like all it takes is your job to call and it drags you away. All it takes is, is one hobby and it drags you away. Your kids call, they drag you away. And there's so many things in this life that are trying to drag you away from the relationships that matter. Isn't it interesting, at least it happens to me, that when I get alone with God to pray, when I get alone with Him to talk, when I get alone to Him to worship, all of my phone rings. And it's something important. And sometimes I fall victim to it and I let it drag me away. Don't look at me like I'm a bad pastor. How many of you fall victim to this and allow something to drag you away? Martha was being dragged away. And Martha made a huge mistake. See, all of us could look at Martha and say, what a bad Christian. If I were there, I'd be like Mary. I'd be in front of Jesus. Nothing would have my attention. I don't think that's true. I think that if Jesus was in the flesh, you'd still be on Instagram. Facebook. Distracted. Thinking about other things. See, Martha made this mistake that we often make. My question is, Martha, why did you get dragged away? And here's why. Because Martha makes this this fatal mistake to any relationship. She made all things equally important. You're going to learn something today. What Martha was doing was very important. People say, oh, it was just dishes or cleaning. No, listen, in the Hebrew home, if you had a guest and you had no food prepared, it was a huge sign of disrespect. So it was important that when someone came over, why do you think... In the the Old Testament, when Jesus and an angel came to visit Abraham, Abraham told his wife, you better go get the best goat and kill it and make milk and bread and everything. I'm thinking, man, that's crazy. Because in that culture, if you had nothing prepared, you were basically telling that person, you don't matter to me. Let me change your perception of Martha. She was so distracted because she loved Jesus so much. And she says, I don't want Jesus to think he doesn't matter to me. So I want to prepare everything. Let it be perfect. Has your view of Martha changed now? She's not so bad. But see, Martha made a mistake. She made something important equally as important to what was really important. And the reason we get so dragged away. Is because a lot of us. We have important things in our life. But we treat them all as equal. And while Mary understood that this was important. She didn't make it equal to Jesus. So what happens is. That you have all these important things. So I want to teach you this principle. To help your relationships in love. Whether marriage, friendship, even with God. Learn to prioritize the moment. Evaluate the moment. For example, when you're at work, how many of you are going to be at work tomorrow? All right, good. Good. Prioritize that. You have eight hours. Let's say you have eight hours. That's, that's, right now, I'm working. That's what is important. I'm at this moment. So as a good Christian, while you're working, you're not going to be doing other things that have nothing to do with work. Amen? Amen? For all of you using company time and the company computer to pay your bills, you're sinning. You prioritize that at the moment. But once you clock out and you go home, the priority needs to shift. And you have to evaluate the moment. Now you're with your family and you're having dinner, but you're still working. Now you're at the dinner table and now you're still answering emails, you're still making phone calls. So you're making something important just as equal as that important thing right now your family. And now, when the when the kids go to bed, and it's you and your wife, and now that's your priority. This is now what's most important. So I'm not going to work. I'm not going to pay attention to the kids. But what happens, mommy? I need you. I'm coming. But you have to teach your children that now this is my priority. My marriage. When you're spending time alone with God, now you're at that moment. So prioritize that. That's what's most important. The other things are important, but they're not equally as important as this right now. What happens is, we have made everything equal and important. What Martha was doing was important, and her mistake was she made it equal to what was really most important. Jesus. And that's why a lot of us have misplaced priorities. Because you don't know how to say no. You don't know how to disconnect. You don't know how to leave. And prioritize. Have you ever seen a family out in public at the dinner table and they're all on their phones? Because they don't know how to prioritize. Have you ever seen someone in church and the pastor is preaching and you're on your phone? You're like, no, I'm watching it right now. Because you're not prioritizing. The Holy Spirit is trying to think and talk to you and you're thinking about your laundry. You're thinking about what you have to do and your schedule for this week. What's wrong with you is that you have made something important equal to what's most important in that moment. God said Sunday, this is the Lord's day. This is the first day of the week. This is the day that we set the course for the rest of the week. So I want to applaud you guys. You guys did great. Give yourselves a hand. You're saying God is first. But you know that a lot of people woke up today, they had a lot of important things to do, and they made it equal to this, and they said, "Eh, I can do it later. And that's what happened to Martha. She did not make Jesus a priority. And she was the one in turn that was upset. She was the one that was worried and anxious and accusing Jesus of not even caring. And a lot of times in our relationships, we accuse the people of not caring about us, but the reality is is that it's usually you and your lack of priority. Don't ever allow anything, no matter how important it may be at that moment. What What really scares me about Martha, what she was doing was not a sin. She wasn't saying, wait, Jesus, let me go worship my pagan idols. She wasn't doing anything wrong. She was doing something right, but just not important for that moment. And oftentimes, it's not the sin that drags us away from God. It's the good things like family, like jobs, like hobbies. Everything that's good drags us away relationships that fall apart oftentimes we think oh it was because of adultery it was because of sin it was because of this listen the most relation i've seen personally destroyed has been because something good got in the way i've seen marriages end because of golf because of children because of fishing Because of work. Good things. That they made equal. And important to their spouse. You guys getting this today? Don't allow anything. To drag you away from the relationships God has blessed you with. We're blessed to have this relationship with God. Don't let anything drag that away. If you're married, you know the Bible says that a wife is like a precious jewel. Something that you value, that you care about. I don't know why God only said wives and not husbands. I don't know, but listen. I don't know. But don't let anything drag you away from that. Don't let anything drag you away from your children because before you know it, they're gone. And you would give anything to have them at your table again. Don't let anything, no matter well, but Pastor, it's really important. Yes, it is. But don't make it equally as important as what matters most at that moment. Relationships are like fire. You know, I did, a, I did a fire this week. On Friday, I was building this fire. And when I looked at the fire, I started thinking about this Sunday's message because I read in 1 Thessalonians five, nineteen this week, a verse that says, Do not put out the Spirit's fire. You no, know, God, Paul gave this advice to Timothy. And he says, Whatever you do, Timothy, don't lose your fire. In the Bible, the presence of God was a fire. Our relationship with God is described as a fire. Why did God use the term fire to describe a relationship? It's because a fire can either bless you or destroy you. You know, fire is good when it's cooking your food, when it's warming you up, when it's lighting up the darkness. But when you have an out-of-control fire, it can kill hundreds of thousands of acres of land and destroy homes and lives. The same fire. The same fire that was once a blessing now has caused so much havoc. And that's what happens in relationship. That same relationship that once used to be a blessing is reaching havoc in your life. Why? Because relationships are like fire. Every fire requires boundaries. You have to establish boundaries within your marriage, your children, your family, your church members. You have to establish boundaries in your friendship. This is the boundary we're going to keep. As long as we stay in this boundary, our relationship's going to be a blessing. Relationships are like fire because fires have to be fed. And as long as you feed it the right things, it grows. It stays strong. But if you feed a fire something wrong, like water, it dies. Don't be surprised if your relationships are losing fire when all you feed it is negative comments. When you feed it anger and selfishness and bitterness, and all you feed it, it is all these bad things, how then can you say, Pastor, I don't know why my relationships aren't working? It's like our relationship with God. It's like a fire. If we begin to feed our flesh all the time and live in sin, you're not gonna experience the fullness of God's presence. Whether you feel it's something good or you feed it something bad, you know that another way you put out a fire by leaving it alone. When I did that Friday, that that fire on Friday. You know, Smokey the Bear would have been so mad. I left it alone. Left it. Just left it. The next day when I woke up, the fire was gone. Cold. And all was left was the memory of what used to burn. And many of you, you're looking at your relationships and you're looking back and all it is is a memory of what used to be on fire. Some of you have that memory with God. You're able to look back and remember the time you were on fire for the Lord. Some of you are looking at your marriage right now and you're able to look back at a time that used to be on fire. You're looking at your family. You used to look and you can remember a time you used to be close. And all it takes is neglect to let a fire die down. And I believe that the number one cause of failed relationships is neglect. Other things drag you away. You get distracted by by jobs and work and kids and hobbies and and cleaning and doing this and I got to do that. And all of a sudden, you just neglect your partner. You neglect your children. Oh, you provide for them. You give them, I give you a roof over your head and fruit on the table. That's not a relationship. It's just Provision. Neglect. And today we have a lot of parents neglecting their children. You don't spend time with them. We have a lot of marriages neglecting each other. You don't spend time together. We're neglecting our responsibilities in our relationships. With misplaced priorities. I laugh because... My mom, I call my mom sometimes. She says, I'm on a date with your dad. I'm like, that's weird. <laughs> it's Tuesday. Who goes on a date Tuesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon? And, she, and, I, and I go, oh, where'd you go? Home Depot. <laughs> that's romantic. But you know why they do it? It's because they're spending time. That's why I love when I go fishing with Dennison and Sharon comes. She hates fishing, I think. I've never seen her do it yet. She does. Look at her. Everyone, look at Sharon right now. Hates it. You know what I love about you, Sharon? You're just there. I don't know why I'm there. I'm, blind. I'm like in the middle. But listen, but it's just time. That's why it's important. Let me plug this in. February twentieth, the guys were having a barbecue. You know why you should come? Because it's a fire. That we're literally we're gonna be together. And then the women were jealous and they did their event now on February 20th. Women, you're getting back together again. Don't neglect that. Because you need to spend time and make each other a priority. Jesus said, Matthew 6 24, He said, No one can serve two masters. No one. You either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. Now, when Jesus said you can't serve two masters, he was talking about people that were distracted by money and possessions instead of God. And God, you know, Jesus made it so clear, hey, you can't serve both. You can't have two masters. You're either going to love one, he says, L-O-V-E, love one, Or hate. And that word hate is not what you think. That word hate, Jesus literally answers the next verse. He says, you will despise the other and not be as devoted. That's what that word hate means. You will not be devoted to the other. So when you begin to get dragged away and distracted, and your partner, your relationships, your family are not a priority, it's not that you hate them. It's that you can honestly say, they're not really, uh, not really as devoted. So whatever you put your attention to, the other thing gets less devotion. You can't serve two masters. So think about this. It's like lighting a candle on both ends. As long as it stays lit, that candle is going to keep going up and down. Up and down. Up and down. Is that your relationship today? Your marriage, hey, we're up and no, we're down. Hey, we're good, we're bad. We're happy, we're mad. Is that your relationship with your kids? We're close, we're far. We're happy, we're sad. Is that your relationship with God? I'm spiritual, I'm flesh. I'm in the spirit, I'm in the flesh. I feel close to God, I feel far from God. I'm good, we're bad. And it begins to waver. Up and down. Up and down. Why are so many relationships up and down and no longer stable? It's because your fire is on something else. When the fire was one-sided, it stayed firm. But now that the fire is two-sided, so you're saying, well, I have a fire for my spouse, but I also have a fire for my job. I have a fire for my family, but now I have a fire for this hobby. I have a fire for this, but I have a fire for that. And you'll be not, not even surprised how it just goes up and down. God doesn't, God doesn't want this. When you're married to someone like this, you don't know how they're going to wake up. You don't know if they're going to wake up close and loving you or mad and angry. You don't know how they're going to come home. When a child feels their parents are like this, they don't know whether today they're going to get attention, today they're going to spend time, or are they just going to be ignored. When your relationship is like this with God, You don't know what day you're going to go to church, what day you're not. You don't know what day you're going to pray, what day you're not. You don't know when you're going to read your Bible, when you are. You're going to feel close to God and you're not. And there comes a point that both ends burn out because if you continue to live like this, your relationships will burn out. How many of you need stability in your relationships? It's called priority. We have misplaced priorities. God said a man will leave, prioritize, and be united. You cannot have unity without priority, God said. You cannot have unity if you're not willing to leave and sacrifice and make them a priority. Every relationship you have in your life must have your priority whether that relationship is God at that moment, whether that relationship is your spouse, your kids, anything. When you have two masters, you're burning on both ends. And everything is unstable. You guys are receiving this word today. So, Pastor, how do I prioritize? Easier said than done. Don't tell your wife, okay, listen, Tuesday, you and me going to Applebee's, going on a date. Let's try the Home Depot thing. That sounds cool. Priority is not a scheduled thing, it's a discipline that becomes a lifestyle. Priority means. At this moment, I will not be dragged away. Luke 10.42, going back to Martha. Jesus said to Martha, only one thing is needed. One thing. Focus. One thing. Evaluate. What's the one thing needed right now? Let me teach you how to prioritize. Let's say you're with your spouse. You say, okay, we're together right now. This is our time alone. One thing is needed. So you have to ask yourself if you're tempted to get on your phone or turn on the news or answer some emails. Ask yourself, what's needed right now? Is this a need right now? Jesus says, one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen what is better. And I'll close with this. Priority is a choice. It doesn't just happen. It's a choice you make. You don't say, well, I'll prioritize once I have time, once things are better. No, priority, like Jesus said, Mary chose what was needed. The law of priority in any relationship is a choice. When you love someone, it's a choice to prioritize them. It's a choice you do in spite of how you feel. You prioritize them. But many people are not making this choice. Love begins with priority. And every priority you make is a choice you make. You can't wait to be less busy, less stressful, more time, because then you will never prioritize them. When you prioritize someone, in any relationship you're saying, Pastor, my fire is dying there. The fire for my children is dying. The fire for my marriage is dying. The fire for me and God is dying. The fire in our friendships are dying. What do you do? Prioritize them. Make a choice. Okay, I'm making this choice to prioritize them. Because the last thing you want is a memory of what used to burn. So here's the truth. Number one, prioritize time. Everyone say time. We learned in the last series, you got 24 hours. Make the best of it. Ephesians 5 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live. Can we receive that verse today? Be very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Make the best use of your time. Be wise with your time. God says, make the best use of your time. And when you have time with that person, make the best of it. When you spend time, have fun. Remember that word? Fun. Laugh. Prioritize time. Well, I want to have fun, but I don't like what they do. Philippians 2.4, let me help you. Each of you should not only look at their own interest, but also the interest of others. When you're spending time, you balance the interest of each other. You balance what's your interest. Well, I, I like I like fishing, Sharon said. So Edison likes fishing. Okay, well, I can put a chair, watch you fish. I don't know why the pastor's here, but hey. <laughs> Honey, what do you like? Oh man, I love Home Depot. All right. So that was my mom, though. She's like a guy, so I don't know. What's your interest? I, I like going to the beach. Okay, let's do that. What's your interest? I like working out. So Stacy goes works out with Ralph. I worked out with Ralph. You don't want to do that. Ask your spouse. What's your interest? I love that Jerrica goes and surfs with me. She falls, she almost drowns all the time. I don't know. But she, she surfs with me. I don't know what I have. Well, her interest, yeah, pray for me. But, what's your interest? Spend time with your kids. What are they interested in? Prioritize time. Because time is something that runs out. And learn to say when something important comes and wants to drag drag you away. Learn this phrase: "It can wait." This cannot. Prioritize your time. Prioritize communication. Communication is not just "Hey, how you doing? Good, good. All right, see you tomorrow." Prioritize communication. It's interesting. In Ezekiel chapter 37, 1 through 4, Ezekiel gets a vision of a valley of dry bones. People that were dry and dead, just like relationships. They dry out and they die. The Lord took a hold of me, Ezekiel said, and I was carried away to the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. Bones that once lived, the Bible says. Your relationship once lived. It was once on fire, but now, pastor, it's dry. He led me all around the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Is that your relationships today? Then God said to me, Son of man, can these bones become living again? God says, hey, can this revive? Ezekiel doesn't say yes or no. He says, sovereign Lord, only you know. I don't know. God said in verse 4 and I love this he says he said to me speak prophetic message to these bones and say dry bones listen to the word of the Lord listen to what God said it's dry is it dead yeah it's time to talk speak and listen what's that Communication. The law of priority requires that communication be a priority. That you sit down with your significant other, that you sit down with your children, that you sit down with your friendships and you say, We need to talk. Where are you right now? I just want to listen to you. How do you feel? What's going on in your life? Prioritize communication because you can be in the same house for years and never talk. And parents don't even talk to their kids anymore. Talking to your kids is not telling them what to do. It's talking to them. Communicate. Prioritize time. Prioritize communication. Lastly, prioritize their needs. Matthew 6, 8, Jesus said, Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. God knows your needs because God has you as a priority. When you prioritize someone, you prioritize their needs. So as you're spending time, as you're communicating, you're trying to listen and find out what they need. So that when you meet each other's needs, that relationships like Ezekiel revives again. The Bible says the bones began to shake and rattle and the tendons got together and the flesh got wrapped around. You'll be surprised that what used to be dead and dry can come back together and live when priority is a thing when you prioritize your time, when you prioritize communication, when you prioritize their needs, the love stays strong. Let's pray this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As you go into the subject of love, You're able to say, Pastor, my love is dry. It's dead. And I don't know if it can come back the way it used to be. But I know that I'm willing to try and make the priority for my love. Maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you you need to prioritize more. Because like Martha, you're being dragged away. Let's all stand so I can pray over you this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to ask you to show me your hands or anything. This is between you and God. This is between you and your family, you and your spouse, you and your friendships, you and God. But only you and God know whether that relationship is burned out. Only you and God know if it can live again. And maybe you're hearing saying, Pastor, I'm dragged away. I'm dragged away. All these things are pulling me away. From my family, from my children, from my spouse, from me and God. Everything's just pulling me away. It's time for you to stop and prioritize what's important at that moment. And you might have to do a lot of apologizing, saying, I'm sorry I have not been the partner I have needed to be. I'm sorry I have not been the parent I needed to be. God, I am sorry for not prioritizing my time with you honey, I am sorry that I have been dragged away and it is my choice. But make the choice starting today that the law of priority and love will be reignited by spending time, by communication, and by meeting their needs above your own. Father, thank you for this word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this love that you've given us, that you showed us first how to do. And I pray, Lord, that love, love, Father, be the main factor of our lives. That we will learn to prioritize each other. That we will learn to prioritize you in our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for having this Martha syndrome, from allowing us to make the choice to be dragged away by what matters most at that moment. Forgive us for making everything equal and important. And help us to see what's important at that moment. Help us to die to ourselves and our selfishness. And to live sacrificially and to leave what needs to be left in order to prioritize our relationships. Bring love back to our hearts for you. Bring love back to marriages. Bring love and unity back to the home. And help us to live and walk in love. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God, I hope you guys were blessed by that message this morning. Amen and amen.